Welcome to Awake to Oneness Radio. I am Caroline Chang, your host. The mission of Awake to Oneness Radio is to inspire the world to awaken to the universal truth of oneness. Science is now teaching us that everything is energy and that energy is interconnected and interdependent. In essence, that energy is one thing. Now, ancient wisdom and spirituality has been teaching the truth of oneness for eons and science is now catching up, but this isn't even new science. The science of quantum physics is over a hundred years old and quantum physics speaks about the quantum um, entang quantum entanglement and the unified field theory, which basically says the same thing, that we are literally all one, we're all connected. So when mankind awakens to the universal truth of oneness, there will be peace on earth. Today's show topic is authentic medicine with Dr. Andrew Kaufman. Dr. Andrew, thank you. Welcome so much to Wake to Oneness Radio. I have been following you since David, I love David Icke. <laughs> and David Icke spoke, first spoke of you um, in an interview on London Real with Brian Rose, I think it was April 6th. So ever since then, I've been addicted to, to Dr. Andrew. Please introduce yourself for those who do are not aware of you. Uh, sure, thank you, Caroline. It's uh, great to be here and that's very uh, humbling description. And uh, you know, of course I uh, owe a lot to David for helping to get uh, my uh, information out there. Um, so uh, as you said, I'm, I'm a, a doctor a medical yes. doctor who has sort of um, gone rogue and uh, <laughs> looked at the science of medicine objectively and found uh, that almost everything is worth criticism. Yes. Um, learned that really uh, healthcare is uh, the leading cause of death and uh, have looked closely at what's been going on in this pandemic situation and have uncovered that Basically, this whole virus thing is uh, some kind of cover story, and there's really no scientific evidence to back it up. Very, very true. I, I've been like, I stopped watching news 19 years ago. Now, that was, for me, that was a direct inner knowing. I can't even put it into human words because it wasn't, nobody told me. It wasn't, I didn't read it anywhere. It was a direct inner knowing turn off the, basically my higher self, which I refer to it as my higher self, told me to turn off the news and don't ever turn it on, on again. And that was back in 2000, September of 2001, just shortly after 9-11. And um, I didn't know why at that time. I wasn't awakened to the things I know now, 19 years ago. So I literally said, why? You know, but I was obedient. I didn't know why. I didn't get an answer. Didn't get the answer till 11 years later on the anniversary of 9-11 when I was watching many documentaries on YouTube about 9-11 and could see with my own eyes that what the news was saying was not what happened. But that was part. And as far as medicine, I have not been to a doctor in 22 years. I would say 98 was the last time I've been to a doctor. I'm completely holistic. I let my audience know that. I tell them all the time, my body lets me know what's going on. And I listen, I'm not a medical doctor like you, um, but 
I just, I go with, I, I have a very strong connection to higher self and it guides me to what I need to do for my body. So definitely I, and here's the thing, both my parents were in the medical field. My father was a dentist and my mom was the supervisor of a hospital lab for over 60 years. And my mom would tell me, she, she, could, she saw what was going on in the hospitals. And she would tell me she was completely holistic. And this is 20, 30 years ago, you know, and she worked in that field. So she's like, no, she didn't want to have anything to do with Western medicine. And I agree, so many people don't know that um, pharmaceutical drugs is, I, for what I understand, is the third leading cause of death in this country. And so many people don't know that. Well, uh, you covered quite a bit of material there. So I want to uh, catch up. But um, I, I agree with everything you said. And, and it's interesting that we had a very similar experience earlier in our life, because I also stopped, uh, you know, watching the news and reading the newspapers at a very young age, uh, you know, probably 25, 30 years ago. And, uh, but I didn't, I knew that they were not telling me the real story and I was skeptical, right? But I didn't really know what was really going on back then. And I didn't really know where to look. You right. know, I was interested in figures like Noam Chomsky and did read a lot of that kind of material, but it also seemed overly complex and didn't explain the whole story. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, uh, and then when, I'll, you know, of course, I remember where I was when I learned about 9-11, and it wasn't from a news channel. I was listening to Howard Stern on the way to medical school. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, and Howard Stern was right in New York, so right. I had a bird's eye view, and it was, you know, uh, a unique way to hear about it, but I wa it wasn't from the regular news media. Um, and what you said about healing and health... Um, I maybe discovered a bit later because since I was always interested in that since I was a young child, but I didn't even really know there was anything outside of the allopathic system. That was all I was exposed to. There was no traditions of healing in my family or knowledge of that at all, like it had been wiped out. <laughs> because, you know, the heritage of the United States is not, you know, this kind of medicine with pharmaceuticals. It's only really started to be around in the 1800s okay. uh, with like um, with, with uh, lead and arsenic based medications. <laughs> yeah, um, truly. But, but even at that time, I mean, almost all the doctors or physicians in the United States were homeopathic or uh, naturopathic or chiropractic. Right. Um, and that that was, you know, the paradigm. And, you know, people growing up in our generation or the baby boomers or, uh, you know, or even uh, more so uh, with the millennial generation, they have no idea um, other than, you know, just vitamin supplements, right. <laughs> but they yeah. don't know that was the real tradition. They're not growing up, you know, with those traditions other than what, you know, people like we are trying to bring that back and mm -hmm. show that uh, you don't need to rely on this Western allopathic system. Um, in fact, it's, it's a hindrance to healing. So what you said about the pharmaceutical, um, you know, the truth is we really don't have accurate information about exactly how many deaths occur from prescription drugs, okay. because that's not something that they carefully track. 
Um, so the number that you were mentioning, uh, well, this was like published in the Journal of the American Medical Association. And of course, it's an estimate because while they do collect statistics about causes of death in terms of diagnoses, they don't really look at the exact cause, no matter what it could be. Right. So if you're in the hospital getting treatment for cancer and you die, they say you died of cancer. Right. Whereas the data might more correctly show that you died of the chemotherapy. Yes. Um, if you looked at it closely. So this figure in this article doesn't look at chemotherapy at all. It says those are cancer deaths. And it also doesn't include vaccines. And vaccines, only a fraction of the adverse events are reported, but among those are many deaths. Yes. Okay, so this is not even part of the number at all. But that number was, I believe, 228,000 a year. Okay. okay. So now that, that would be like the third or fourth leading cause of death just by itself. Right. Um, and that doesn't include any other kinds of medically related deaths. So it doesn't include like from radiation or it doesn't include from surgery uh, or from infections that are acquired in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Right. So all those other things are not part of the number. But when you add those in by various estimates, you essentially get to over a million deaths a year which is, you know, there are only uh, about 3 million total deaths a year that occur in the United States. It's about 0.9% of the population. So, uh, you know, a little over 3 million. So we're talking about like a, a third of all deaths really are due to healthcare, according to the best estimates of the current statistics that are available for this. And that, that's astonishing. But yeah, it, uh, it is. It truly know. is. It truly is. And I actually see... I witnessed it with my own eyes back in 97. Um, my ex-fiance's brother, who was a young man, he was 40, 42 years old and he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Um, and he, I mean, he was diagnosed with cancer but he seemed to be fine, okay? But he was in late stage, it was diagnosed maybe, I not sure, but it was late stage cancer when it got diagnosed. Now, as soon as, so for the first few months after his diagnosis, he wasn't doing any kind of, you know, treatment. Um, when soon as they started chemo, I mean, he drastically went downhill and he was gone in six months. And I said, I know if he didn't do chemo, he would have had some more time. You know, so I know it was the chemo that killed him. Right. Well, you yeah. know, the thing about chemotherapy and, you know, it, by the way, for a doctor to, to be critical of cancer care is a very risky uh, business. Um, mm -hmm. That's one of the hugest um, incomes for the medical industrial complex. Right. So, but if you really look at the strategy um, of chemotherapy, which was developed from chemical warfare weapons, um, in World War II, mustard gas and related things that they noticed in patients with leukemia, that their leukemia cells, the blasts in their blood went down. And the reason because of that occurred was because these chemicals were toxic <laughs> to living organisms. And specifically, they target any dividing cells. And okay. since we're always making new blood at a high rate, uh, blood is one of the things that's most affected uh, by toxins that uh, are toxic to dividing cells. Okay. And that's essentially what chemotherapy really is, uh, by and large. Right. And the, the thing is, it doesn't 
address or recognize or have anything to do with what is causing the cancer in the first place. Exactly. So it can't reverse it in that sense. Uh, it's simply a mechanism of trying to kill as many cancer cells as possible with a toxic agent. But the thing is that it's not specifically toxic to cancer. It's toxic to every to your whole cell. body, <laughs> right? Yes. And especially toxic the, to you, right? Yeah. Right, and especially the parts of your body that are growing in any way, right? So that's why your hair falls out because you have cells there that are growing and making hair, and it's toxic to those cells, and they stop making hair, mm -hmm. right? And it's okay. that kind of a thing. Um, so it prevents any repair or growth in your body, mm -hmm. and of course that causes disease in and of itself and also makes you much less resistant to yeah. other forms of illness. Okay. Yes. So it's not a, a winning strategy. And exactly. And if you go back in history, I think from your work, I saw that, I mean, the, the increase in cancer started with the, with the medicine, with the, the pharmaceutical industry. That's why cancer rose in this country and in the world. It's from what, you know, you know more about that than I do. Well, I would say that it's from uh, industrial pollution overall. Okay. So there are many, you know, many industries that contributed to this. And for a long time, they, you know, didn't have any really safeguards in place and people were reckless for the sake of profit. But, you know, mining, uh, you know, heavy metals, for example, brought about a lot of, of disease. And then the, the chemical industry um, created and used a lot of carcinogenic compounds that uh, people were exposed to through various means. Uh, you know, something is like benzene. You know, benzene is a, a, a solvent, it's an aromatic organic compound. And it's even one of the additives uh, to regular commercial cigarettes. Mm. And so, mm -hmm. and it's, you know, known to cause all sorts of cancers like leukemia mm -hmm. and others. And so most people have been exposed to it in one form or the other in their lifetime. Right. Uh, right. Whereas if you go back 500 years, it, you know, it didn't even exist possibly, or right. if it did, it was in, you know, minute quantities in some volcanic eruption or something like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and this is so true what you're talking about, like uh, GMO foods and um, this, you know, just what we're, we're being fed as Americans. I remember I, I watched one of your videos um, shortly after the lockdown in, in April, and you were saying, well, at least people are eating at home, they're eating more healthy. When I was seeing the, the, the uh, fast food restaurants were not, were still essential, <laughs> okay, businesses, fast food, and yeah. even though the, yeah. the inside was closed, the drive-thru was open, and every single fast food, there was this huge line going through right. fast food, and the gym was closed. So I'm looking at the gym being closed and fast food being so. <laughs> well, let me uh, retrospectively correct my opinion. I'd say the the opportunity to eat more healthy uh, was was available, but you know I think because of the stress and the fear that was you know manufactured around that time, I'm sure there was a lot of stress eating and comfort eating you know, of, uh, I did it. <laughs> food, right? yeah, so, yeah. you know, mac and cheese and uh, spaghetti and meatballs and uh, TV dinners or, you know, whatever it is, and probably a lot of uh, chips and snack food yes. uh, in front of the TV and maybe uh, some extra beer and wine Yes. Um, as well, right? 
And then you throw stress on it from the news, just fear, fear, fear. You're like, oh, fear, fear, you know, you're eating and like, and the news yeah. is putting you in a deeper state of fear as you're eating the junk. So, yeah. Right. And this is the kind of pattern, you know, that contributed to uh, domestic violence yes. and to suicide and uh, other, you know, uh, types of psychological distress that, you know, we've seen have even been openly reported as being substantially elevated. Yes. Very, very true. I just said to a friend of mine recently um, that the lockdown actually caused more deaths than COVID-19 at all. I mean, it's just... Uh, well, to be honest with you, there's really no scientific evidence that there's any such thing as COVID-19. Yes. Um, but the, certainly, like, the policies of the lockdown absolutely caused the spike in mortality that occurred um, in the spring. Um, yes. and, and there were many, many factors involved that you mentioned several of them. Yes, very, very true. And then um, Curry, the, the, PC, the PCR test, am I saying that right? Yes. Uh, it is not testing for a virus at all. And the inventor of the test who got a Nobel Peace Prize said this cannot be used for diagnosing illness in that way and and it almost seems like that's widely known right now but people don't care it's like okay so what the test is not testing for a virus well, <laughs> that know, has so, not proven to right. even exist that is you know it's just i'm like there, where, where so is many, people uh, so many mind? obvious things about this test um you know like you said it's it has no known error rate because it's never been compared to actual presence of a virus. Yeah. So you were giving a test that we don't know what it's testing for and we don't know how accurate it is. Exactly. So how do you, you know, everything about the test has been artificially uh, manipulated. So even the, the CDC, when they did research to establish the procedure for conducting the test, because there's a lot of things you can decide on like, how much to dilute the sample, how many cycles of amplification, where to set the cutoff point for the amount, all these things, and they all affect the outcome. Right. And they said they don't even have any samples of the virus to calibrate the test with. In, instead, in a lab, they synthesized the, what they say is the genetic sequence of the virus with a machine, and they use that to calibrate the test. Mm. So how do you like how do you make a test for something when you don't have the something that you're testing for? Really? <laughs> so, Truly. so it's like the logic is, you know, really uh, obvious that that the test is, is you might as well just get yourself some uh, Dungeons and Dragons dice and, you know, pick the 21 sided or the, you know, whatever, and just roll that and that'll <laughs> tell you uh, the same information. Yes. as the PCR test. It is completely meaningless whether the person is healthy or sick. It's right. even meaningless when it's sick, but it's a way that they attribute the death to an imaginary virus. Right. Um, but it, it's preposterous. Anyone who just looks slightly beneath the surface, even if you just look at the FDA guidance on the test, or if you just look at what it says on the package of the test, which you can find images on the internet, Mm -hmm. And it says it's not to be used for uh, for diagnosis. 
Exactly. And and here's the thing. I I just got an email. I was invited <laughs> a few about a month or so ago to go to, uh, to Thanksgiving dinner. Then I got uninvited because the the um, there's more cases. I live in Pennsylvania. I'm not far from you. I'm about I'm not about an hour and a half from Syracuse South. Um, I'm in, yeah, I'm in the Poconos. In person. Yeah, yeah, we could have. This is true. We might mean it. That would be great to meet you in person. Um, but yeah, I was disinvited because I got an email saying the cases are going up in this area and in Wilkes-Barre area. I'm like, okay. I'm just like, I don't even, I just say, okay, it's all right. I won't get a turkey. I'll cook my own turkey this year. But uh, well, I mean, it's not really all right, because, you know, you have a fundamental natural right to travel and be with your family uh, yes. or whoever else you want to be with, as long as they also want to be with you. Right. And when they say there's a rise in cases, what they mean is that they did more tests. Right. Because they can vary the parameter of the tests. Right. Which, like I said, doesn't measure anything meaningful. Right. Um, to determine what percentage are going to be positive. So, right. and, and even the state health departments have published this. Mm -hmm. So where they say, okay, if we do 30 cycles, like just, I'm making up these numbers, but it's similar. Right. Like we get 25% positive. And if we do 40 cycles, we get 55% positive. So then they decide where they're going to set it. And okay. they basically say, okay, so if we set it at 55% positive, all right, let's say we want to have 500 cases to change a policy. So all we have to do then is do a thousand tests. We do a thousand tests, we get our 500 cases because we know how many are going to be. Then we can say 500 new cases, lockdown. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, that's pretty much how, it's, how it goes. Yes. And, and in some countries, and I think this is probably going to occur in the United States, state by state as well but you know this has been talked about in australia canada and there were you know do government documents published in the british medical journal mm -hmm. about operation moonshot in the uk right they want to test every single person in the entire nation every week mm. yeah and so how many you know how many millions of people are going to be then labeled totally. as positive right when they don't have anything exactly and be prohibited from participating in any aspect of life or be sent to quarantine camps because you know they have quarantine camps already yes. in new zealand in canada um, and uh some other places i think italy right. they're doing quarantining people and there's uh you know on the cdc website there uh is a policy about shielding they call it which also means putting them in people quarantine. in quarantine camps yes so all of this is based on the testing, which, as I you know explained, is just rolling the dice. Right, right. No, I agree with you a thousand percent. When I said it was all right, I didn't, I didn't want to argue or debate the person that uninvited me to Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah well, that's no, why I said you, it's, uh, you know, I was like, okay, because I, I right. know where they are at, and I've gotten to the point where they, you know. With all this information, to me, I've been saying on this show since September of 2019 that 2020 is the year of clear vision that, again, came from spirit. And it's basically those with eyes to see and ears to hear. It's the truth is in your face. 
if you really just turn off the yes. news and look for truth, it's right there in your face. And so many people just won't do that. So I was like, okay, spirits, like you can't, you can't beat this into them. So when I said it's okay, meaning I wasn't going to debate the person saying, you're crazy. I'm coming over for Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know? so that's what well, I know. I, I totally agree with you. Um, yeah. Really. Uh, I just think I misunderstood. And uh, it's important to, you know, have compassion for people who, yes. whose eyes are not open and ears are not open, <laughs> Yes, which is most people, right? Yes. There, there definitely are a tremendous number of people who are opening up and yes. are starting to see the obvious um, you know, trick that's going on here, because it doesn't, if you just do a little bit of fact finding from just very mainstream sources like government websites, right? Yes. If you're open to it, you can quickly figure out that this is not, you know, things exactly. are not what they seem. And exactly. then you can, you know, go as deep as you want uh, there. <laughs> but, but, you know, you can see that easily. And then, um, but it's when the people are totally closed off because, you know, we've been under systematic, uh, you know, mind control, brainwashing, uh, programming, you know, since uh, practically the womb. Right. And that is what it, I think, you know, it's being played up uh, as much as possible. It's like, you know, when uh, you ever see those hypno comics? No. Oh, so they have these uh, like hypnotists who do okay. a comedy routine and people volunteer to get hypnotized and then oh, okay. they make them do really doing. silly things, you know, like, uh, you know, like if it's a guy, like pretend they're Madonna and sing like a virgin or, you know, things like that. <laughs> yes. But sometimes they do this thing where they have like they program a signal. So it could be a snap of the fingers or it could be a buzzword. And then the person does something like as soon as they hear it. Right. Like maybe they start barking like a dog, you know, right. so it's kind of makes fun of them, but it's, but they do it on command, like because yes. of the hypnosis. Yes, and yes. I feel like that there's things like that that have been programmed into, you know, our populations. And right now it's like the fingers are being snapped to trigger those automatic responses. And a lot of it is just fear and obedience. I agree. Um, a thousand percent. Yes. Yes. Matter of fact, I was having a conversation with someone a few weeks ago and I was saying brainwashing, but he said hypnotized. They're, they're, the masses are being hypnotized to think they're eating an onion and thinking that they're eating an apple and that, you know, we know that that can happen in those type right. of shows you were just saying. They, um, a comic could give a person the onion and he could start eating it thinking it's the sweetest apple he's ever, you know, eaten. So and I said, I think it's a combination of the brainwashing and, you know, programming mind control, brainwashing and hypnosis. It's a combination right. of it. And I think yeah. why spirit told me to shut it off 19 years ago is where I wouldn't have any effect from it. But I don't think I've ever been affected by it. I've yeah, always well, kind of been Some people spirit. seem to be more resilient and yeah. also maybe, you know, that uh, your parents didn't plop you in front of a TV when you were two years old and you were lucky to be yes. spared there. But you know what you said about uh, eating an onion and thinking it's an apple, it made me think of, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't McDonald's apple pies really potatoes? <laughs> you might be right. <laughs> so, so there's like truth in right. that, right? Yes. Some truth in that. Yes. Um, uh, but people, you know, with the television, I want it because you mentioned hypnosis. And, you know, if you can go back and look at the original patents 
on the TV technology. And what you'll find is that they specify a certain uh, screen rate, mm-hmm. right? Which is like how many images flash uh, per second. And I, I think it's 50, but I could be off on the number. Mm-hmm. But whatever the number is, it's specifically tuned to synchronize your brain, the viewer, in what's called an alpha wave brain state. So it's the right frequency. And if you synchronize with it, you get into that frequency. And that is the suggestible brain state of hypnosis. Mm -hmm. It's the exact state. Now it's also a state of learning. So it could be useful if you expose yourself to, you know, productive material. Yes. (laughs) But it can be subverted. So if you're watching the television and you're in that alpha brain state, then whatever message is coming back, coming to you, you're much more likely to accept and to obey if it's a command-like. Right. So this is really important. And, you know, the people of our generation, you know, grew up on TV and when there was only, you know, three choices. And yes. so, and they were all centrally controlled. So the messages that you received under hypnosis were repeated over and over and over again. <laughs> Yes, very, very true. This is very true. And I only watch, um, I mainly watch YouTube, but I only watch programming that elevates my vibration. Because I do understand that everything is, you know, it's not what we uh, see, see with our eyes or hear with our ears. There's so much more out there. Science has said that with our five senses, Men can detect maybe 0.0035%, something like that could be off with that. But it's such a tiny, like even the, the, the band of light that we can see. You know, right. I heard a great analogy for this that'll help with the scale. Yes. So imagine, uh, you remember you know, how film used to be like a video film, like in a reel and yes. uh, you know, each frame was like a little picture. Yes. So imagine a roll of film that's four kilometers, right? That's uh, you know, like um, three and a half miles long. Okay. Okay, so the, that represents all of the spectrum that exists out there of electromagnetism, right? Which light is part of. Right. And so the visible light that we can perceive would represent just two frames mm. out of three and a half miles of film. Wow. Yes. That's, <laughs> a, that's, that's putting it into context. Yes. Because I, I speak about that a lot because my, when I say my knowing for me, because I don't impose it on anybody else, my knowing, um, does not come from my limited five senses because I understand that the senses are so limited that I I go within and it's more of a inner knowing which is connected to the universe and infinite and the five senses are so limited so when people say I only believe what I can hear and see and touch and I'm like you're negating so 99.9999% of what is actually out there. So yeah, I think that's important. And we know this from science because my knowing is based in science. It comes, I mean, I think science has just touched the tip of the iceberg. You know, I think there's so much more. Right. Well, um, I think um, I agree that the five senses can definitely be overestimated and that's not the true source. Like think about the body. Yes. 
Um, the number of like just chemical reactions, right, that are occurring in just one person's body at any given point in time. Mm-hmm. It's the magnitude of that is so outrageous that there's no way the brain has anywhere near the computational power to manage all that. Right. Yet it runs so smoothly and everything is in balance and harmony, right? So where does all the instructional information come from to make all that happen, right? There must be some source, right? Um, you know, that seems to be outside uh, the self. Mm -hmm. So this kind of gives us a a little bit of a clue, you know, into this uh, uh, realm of how to think about where does knowledge come from and how do we acquire it. But the senses can be very useful because when the data we get from our senses disagrees with something that we're told is true, Mm -hmm. then that can help us realize uh, the nature of reality, right? And this can even, you know, th- this kind of logic has been applied to the, you know, globe versus flat earth problem. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, if you just use your eyes and look straight ahead, mm-hmm. how far can you see? And, uh, you know, because if the earth is curved, then it drops away from you, but below the horizon line and you can't see things, right. but you can, if, if it's flat. So if you look at this with your own eyes and you know the how far something is away, right? then you can say, okay, does this agree with what I'm told or not? Right. Um, and that will help you figure things out. Yes. But you can't only rely on the you five can't, Right, exactly. Uh, and that's kind of, I, I believe the five senses are extremely valuable. And even my brain, what I say in, for me, my intelligent, my brain intelligence kind of comes from the five senses, but my wisdom, my knowing comes from my heart and it's connected to all that is that that's right you know and so that's wisdom that's available in the universe right yes exactly and and we all can access that if we uh, put our effort towards it exactly exactly but, but it's like still the it has to be like the experience that you had your embodiment of your individual consciousness yes um in order to know that it's true Yes. Um, and when you hear it from others without having that experience, right, I always uh, take the position of hopeful but skeptical. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm never skeptical because I do, and I can't remember, it was someone famous that said, you can look at the world as a dangerous place or you can look at the world as a loving place. Um, I'm paraphrasing, it was someone famous, but I... I know that I am a part of all that is, and all that is, is loving. And so that's how, and I say there's two main emotions. It's, it's the love and fear. We, we respond, we act from a place of love or a place of fear. And how we have been, how we've handed over our power. That's what I say. We gave it to them. They didn't take it. We handed it over because we were in a place of fear and they knew that. They knew, okay, keep them in a place of fear. They're going to keep giving us, giving away their innate power. So um, that's why it's like everything to me is I'm, I'm never skeptical. I know that there's, it's a bigger picture unfolding and it's all in divine order and in divine timing. Right. So, You'll well, always see me I'm with not, a smile. I'm not skeptical of the overall plan. Oh, okay. Um, but I am, I am skeptical of when people put uh, proposals and ideas out. 
Okay. Um, right, especially if they come from authority figures and technocrats. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, and, uh, and large uh, business owners. Yes, 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 yes. Well, I, I have not worn a mask now. Okay, I, I have not worn a mask longer than a minute. And that only started a few weeks, about a week ago. I want, went back to the gym. Like I said, I have been stress eating, not stress eating, because I honestly, I got, I've been celebrating eating. Okay. Uh, Spirit told me in March that humanity awakes, mask awakening, great awakening is, has begun. And I've been in celebration mode. And when I celebrate, I like to celebrate with comfort food. So I've been eating and putting on weight all year. So it's like, I got to get back to the gym. Now, when they first opened in June, no masks were required. They had the social distancing. So you, they had every other machine available. You couldn't go on the machine right next to another person. So they had, but so they opened June 19th. They had closed for about two and a half months. They opened. I went back the first week and it was fine. Nobody, I don't put wearing a mask, just never have go. I go wherever I want, no mask and no problem. And I, I believe I'm having no problem because I'm sending out nothing but love. I'm surrounding myself with love. I've been getting a lot. I've been getting more love, not wearing a mask than before this whole thing started. Yeah, but, I agree with that. And I, I have a theory about that too. Okay, but let me tell you my experience. Going back to now, after the gym had been open for two weeks, no mask required, my governor Wolf, <laughs> uh, Tom Wolf put, if you walk out of your house, you have to wear a mask. Because so the gym to stay open, they had to require masks. I said, there's no way I'm going to work out and wear a mask. Or, I mean, so they're saying to, to, so now what I have to I do is put on a mask. I cover my mouth, not my nose, put on a mask to walk from one machine to the next. But once I'm on the machine, I can take off the mask and stick it in my pocket. So that's the only time because I do want to work out. I want to take off this weight I put on. Um, I've been going to the gym every day now and I just, put it around my mouth to walk to one machine, take it off. Really, what set that, that is, it drives me crazy. But it, in all this time, I have not worn a mask except for at the gym for two seconds. <laughs> but go ahead, you are about to say. Well, I mean, uh, you know, I could say a couple of things uh, about that. And I, I do think it's, uh, you know, it is really difficult to kind of make these decisions and, uh, you know, these businesses adopting these policies, uh, you know, I wish, I mean, I even know someone who just rented their own space and hired their own uh, coaches uh, because they didn't want to put up with this st stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that kind of money. <laughs> well, I think they, you know, they ended up getting it back because uh, the other people that came to the classes paid. Okay. Um, you know, so I think it was neutral overall, but, but nonetheless, it, um, you know, I think it's better to not work out at a gym. I think it's better to work out outdoors. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but it's getting cold. We had snow uh, the other day. But when you, <laughs> well, no, no, I know, I know okay. it's harder, but, but nonetheless, when you're doing um, exercise in the cold, like your body warms up quickly. Okay. Right. And I don't mean downhill skiing because then like you might be warm while you're going down, but you're freezing on the chairlift going up. But if you do <laughs> cross country skiing or snowshoeing okay. uh, or running, you know, or other things like that, ice skating, like those things will all you, you won't feel cold at all while you're doing those things. OK, um, uh, you know, so that's good. And then it gets you out in the sun and, yes. and par relating to the natural world better. True. But you also like you could easily do workouts just at home. You don't even need 
hardly any equipment to get a full body workout. Um, like you can use body weight exercise to cover all the same muscle groups. Um, and you could even, you know, like invite your friends who are also frustrated with the gym policies over and do like a group thing together and take turns like designing a workout or something. So like, I'm just saying there's, there's always ways to work around it if you are willing to like if it's important enough for you to to put the initiative in but i also want to say and this is sort of you know holistic uh, health information yes um not medical advice but that really um exercise is not helpful for losing weight um and it's been been shown in study after study now it does make you look better because when you increase the muscle mass and the muscle tone right like you definitely improve your aesthetic of your body so like and it increases your lifespan and it you know makes you more resistant to depression so like i'm saying definitely do exercise (laughs) not trying to say don't do that and i do Um, enjoy it i I enjoy working but i think the main reason why people put on weight Um, and you kind of actually outlined this, right, is that when you're eating uh, the unhealthy foods, the processed foods, the foods with pesticides and herbicides and parasites and such, then, uh, and at the same time, you're not having uh, an open pathway for your body to eliminate those things, they they build up. Mm -hmm. And the your immune system is in charge of managing them. And if it can't get rid of them, it has to store them somewhere in your body. And one of the safest places is in the fat, the subcutaneous fat, like under the skin and the belly and the thighs and those areas. Mm-hmm. And because if it's stored there, it's not going to do any harm, right? It's like a warehouse. Okay. And um, so if you have like, it's a survival advantage if you can put on fat quickly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so if you have that kind of physiology, <laughs> like I have that too, uh, right. So, um, so that actually, it's good because if there's ever famine, like we are the last to die. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's a blessing okay. right? and all those skinny people that can't put on weight, they'll be, they'll be gone first. Okay. Uh, you know? yes. so, um, but, but nonetheless, uh, so what happens is that your body then takes advantage of that. And when you have excess toxicity, it just makes fat. Mm-hmm. And then you can't get rid of it because the body has no place to put it. Right. So it keeps it there. And despite what you do, if you keep eating the toxins and don't right. do something, you never get rid of it. So that's why people have such a hard time. Yes. Um, even if they starve themselves, it still comes right back because the toxins are still there. Yes. Um, so if you just do some detoxing, mm-hmm. you that fat will just melt away. Okay. And so that would mean like, cleaning up your diet um, as much as you can doesn't have to be perfect but you know if you can get 85 percent really just whole organic foods um you know not no processed foods and stuff and then the other 15 you can cheat and have you know your usual habits yes and then do something for detox like increase your bowel movements simple Mm -hmm. as that you could Mm -hmm. do it a number of ways you could take some herbal laxatives you could do enemas you could make celery juice And just doing that for a couple of weeks, you'll see fat just melt away. Okay. You're absolutely right. And you eat as much as you want. Like you don't, even if you ate exactly the same and did that, you'd still lose weight. Um, But it, but you wouldn't sustain it (laughs) unless you, unless you stop putting those things in and then, you know, kept up with, uh, with the detox 
Yes. No, you're exactly right. I I I call myself a human yo-yo, and I should stop. But <laughs> I was I was a low carb vegan for two years, and and I enjoyed it. I'm a great cook, and my entire kitchen is non-GMO. It's not completely organic, but it's completely non-GMO. I, I read labels. I make sure if I'm not sure, I don't buy it. It has to be certified well, that's, that's non-GMO. Good. So, and I'm, I'm cut out as much because I enjoy cooking. I cut out as much processed food and bread and, and, and carbs because I'm, I'm low carb, low carbs. When I cut out the carbs, exercise daily, moderate, moderate, just walking. When the weather's nice, I love walking in nature. I live near a lake. I go hiking. I love that. So I do, I, and, and it, it just drops off. People like, how do you do that, Caroline? It just drops off when I'm doing what I'm supposed to be right. doing. This year- When, you, when like, you're taking care of your health, basically, right? Yes, yes, yes. This year, truly, it's been because of the whole, since March, I've been like, actually on a high. And when I, <laughs> when I'm happy, I eat junk food. So it's like- so that's I bet, like, okay. but when you're when you're stressed out you eat junk food when you're happy right you eat junk food when you're sad you eat junk food right <laughs> <laughs> so it's For all purposes you know you know what that that indicates what addiction <laughs> I, never said, I never said i was if that's my one I, I don't drink i don't do drugs well you know it's actually i mean uh virtually all of us really in this day and age have an addiction if you think about what that really is right which is a behavior that you kind of do automatically and you you have a hard time doing without and uh you know there's um there's a, a, a spiritual uh, teacher out there who talks about this a little bit and kind of says, okay, if you don't think that's the case, like just do this test. Mm -hmm. So pick any behavior that you do on a daily basis that, that, you know, someone says you're addicted to, or you think you could be, and just go for two weeks without doing that. And mm -hmm. if you have, if you don't have any cravings or desire to do it during that time, then you're not addicted. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. So like if we put that challenge out there and said, okay, you know, um, don't carry your phone around with you. <laughs> I don't have a smartphone. Well, no, no, I'm not saying you, but like yeah, I know, I know world, what you're right? how yeah, many yeah, people, yeah. how many people would be able to do that? Right. And right. Not, you know, like all the time want to like, oh, gee, I wish I could pick up that thing, you know? <laughs> no, right? I agree with you. I see them at the gym. I'm like, you're here working out what? and they're in there for like, really? I'm like, oh, but no, I agree. With, I know it. I do know it is my addiction. It has been a lifelong addiction food, but um, I have been very successful. Uh, like I say, go up and down, up and down, but uh, I'm getting older now. I need to take it off and keep it off. And I enjoy, I love working out. I love eating healthy. I really do. I'm a great cook. I mean, I can make really great vegan and, and, and I heard what you said about, I stopped eating vegan meat products because of what you said. And I felt, I've actually, I felt it before you even, I heard you say it, but um, if I have meat, I have organic meat, organic chicken, organic um, turkey, or wild caught fish on the weekend. But um, that process, it's process. Uh, even yeah. vegan meats are processed, yeah. and I want to eliminate processed foods. Right. 
So yes, I, well, I vegan meats are like a really interesting phenomenon here because it's a contradiction in terms, right? <laughs> uh, because vegetables aren't meat. Um, and so to make meat, fake meat out of vegetables, of course, that it has to be processed because right. otherwise they would just give you an asparagus and say it's meat, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is a little meaty. Like they do, see, they do this with the, the portobello mushroom. Yes. Right? Kind of like, now it's not, it's not a vegetable per se, but it's definitely not meat. Right. right? But they just put it in its natural, healthy form. Yes. On a bun and say, you know, okay, this is a, a hamburger, fake hamburger. <laughs> Yeah. So, like, I think that that's a reasonable thing to do. Yes. But, yes. you know, to make uh, tofu and seitan and, um, you know, things like this. Right. Um, now that's a total, that, that's made in a chemistry lab. Right. Uh, I agree. Right. And it even, you know, has like solvents in there. The things like hexane is found often in tofu, for example, used mm -hmm. to extract uh, things out of it. Right. Um, and, but that's, you know, that's a cancer causing solvent that you'd only use, you know, in a fume hood in mm -hmm. the chemistry lab, right? That's, that's how nasty it is. You wouldn't just have it out in the room. Right. Exactly. I agree with you a thousand percent. When I was vegan for two years, I did do only on the weekend. It's a weekend thing, meat for me. So I had my vegan meat only on the weekend, but four days a week, Monday through Thursday, it was just um, plant, just, you know, the plant, you know, plant-based, um, real plant. See, that would, that's a great strategy, like, because, um, you know, there is a lot of benefits to a vegan diet, and really, there's, there's not one diet that is healthy, and not, uh, and others that, and everything else is not. Right. You know, there are many healthy ways to eat, and for most people, it changes over time what your requirements might be. Mm -hmm. but for most people to be vegan for an extended period of time gets really challenging because they tend to get depleted in certain products that, you know, your body can make, right? Like your body can make cholesterol and it can make collagen. But even if you give it all the right, you know, vitamins and cofactors to do that, it still sometimes can't keep up with demand. Okay. Right. And this is probably a big part of the reason why, you know, going back in history that our ancestors or, you know, previous uh, historical humans, when they started eating meat, you saw that other things expanded in their abilities, right? Okay. Their success, their longevity, their tools, etc., cetera, uh, seemed to be related to having fire and then being able to cook meat so they could digest meat. Mm, okay. And you could see that if you have, so let's say you get extra cholesterol from the meat, well, cholesterol is the main constituent of brain tissue. So maybe that helps you make a better brain mm. and improves your capacity. So with a, a long-term vegan diet, many people at some point just can't keep up with making enough cholesterol and collagen. So they get, you know, some uh, weariness. And so they might not be able to make enough uh, steroid hormones and start to get weak and like adrenal fatigue kind of a thing. Um, or they can have trouble repairing their joints and, and kind of get some kind of arthritis and muscle wasting, uh, you know, kind of uh, situation. And mm -hmm. if they just would eat some liver um, periodically and some bone broth or chicken feet, mm -hmm. um, that will, could perk them up. Um, and so that combination, like where you're, you know, and, and it doesn't even have to be once a week, it, it, you know, you might even be able to do it once a month if you're in a healthy state to begin with, and then 
you know, so for 29 days a month, you're vegan. And then one day you have like these, you know, meat meals, mm-hmm. something like that. And, and I think that that's could be a good recipe for many people. Right. Well, I am now low carb um, flexitarian. Um, Monday through Thursday, it's vegetarian or vegan, uh, whole food, no problem. I'm trying to cut, eliminate as much, if not all processed food. So from Monday through Thursday, it's um, vegan or vegetarian on the weekend, Friday, which I include Friday as the weekend. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, it's organic meat or uh, wild caught fish. Yeah. And I only eat one meal a day. And I, I, my body is oh, that's awesome. one meal a day. And, and it's I, a big meal though, right? No, it's not a big meal. Oh, no, not? Not I mean, just a I've, uh, I've done that too. I, I think that's the most natural way to eat. But yeah. when I got to that meal, it would be like a big meal. No, mine's not, not a big meal. I start <laughs> with a salad. I start with a salad. Um, and like I, I'll have um, vegetables and I, I love stir fry. I cook everything in organic coconut oil, stir fried vegetables, um, you know, what is it? Cauliflower mash, you know, and stir fried vegetable or mm-hmm. cauliflower rice. And I get the head of cauliflower, chop it up. I make it myself. I don't buy it. You know, right, right, process. Yeah, you make everything. Yeah. yeah. And, but no, I, 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 in one meal is all I want. I know I eat between four and no earlier than 4 p.m. or no later than 6 p.m. And long as I'm drinking enough water, long well, as I so stay if, hydrated, I don't get hungry at all. Right. So if I, if I would have come to do this in person, I would have got a stir fry meal. Yeah. <laughs> I <will. laughs> good cook i am you will you like love my cooking yes 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 i can, yes. Tell, I can tell that you have a, a sense of uh your way around the kitchen yes. <laughs> but i let me uh you know uh let me just try to clear up a few points about like um how people can get the healthiest thing at the grocery store or wherever because right. some of these things are really really confusing and you know definitely when it comes to plant food right like any fruit or vegetable or legume or grain um, you know, you definitely want to get organic, but, but it doesn't have to necessarily be USDA organic. Okay. So, because you can't fully trust actually USDA organic, even the USDA has published some studies that show that many things that are organic still have some pesticides in them. Mm. And this could be simply like, let's say there's a big operation and they grow both organic and reg- regular produce and there's a windy day and the spray you know just blows from one thing to another and contaminates it right yes um or it could be that people cheat (laughs) (laughs) oh no that couldn't happen right so um you know the absolute best thing to do is is to grow it yourself because then you know exactly what's in it um and more and more people are doing this Yes. Right. And then the second best thing is to get it from someone local that mm-hmm. you can actually, you know, develop a relationship with or, or even visit their operation so you could see for yourself. Right. And some of those people you'll find that then these are smaller farmers, yes. that they it's a big barrier to do the USDA certification because it, it costs money. And then you have to have like extensive record keeping and filling out forms. And, it, you know, and that costs a lot of money and takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And 
then plus they allow some shortcuts like they allow you to use certain uh, pesticides that are derived from like chrysanthemums or neem oil that they say you know still are okay but i wouldn't want pyrethrin you know in my food right it's a, neuro a neurotoxin okay so so they actually do it the real way and they don't get the usda because then they don't have to pay that extra overhead and but you know exactly how they grow it and they sell fantastic produce so i buy mm -hmm. you know, mostly from those kinds okay. of people and then then you know if that's not available or the things you need are not available then then the grocery store organic is like the the third best okay um third you know best. option yeah. uh, and then to also know which foods it matters like mm -hmm. if you go to um i think it's ewg the environmental working group okay they publish the dirty dozen and the clean 15 every year Oh, okay. And so the clean 15 are the, the things that have the least or none. So like avocados, for example, mm -hmm. they're often grown without any pesticides or herbicides at all. Awesome. So you may that. not, and you could tell because if you look at the price, you know, it's like 87 cents a pound for the regular and 89 cents a pound for the organic. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, okay. it's like, okay, that's, there's no difference really. Or like bananas are like that. Okay. Uh, there's very little difference because there's very few pesticides that are used. Okay. Uh, whereas something like strawberries, uh, you'd never want to eat non-organic strawberries because okay. they, you know, they require a ton of them. Okay. To to grow. I buy uh, the frozen organic um, berries. Frozen yeah. Well, that you know that that should be adequate. I mean, you know, if we were really growing appropriately, you know, strawberries would only be in season for a couple of weeks a year. This is true. <laughs> And so you'd only have fresh ones for a few weeks and then you'd have only frozen or, right. you know, or jarred or, you know, right. or jam. Yes, 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 yes. So, you know, that's, that's pretty natural. Okay. Um, yeah. I would say, you know, way to go. Um, but with meats, it's even more confusing because with meat, it's the, not just the chemicals that they use, but it's actually the way they raise the animals that... Yes necessitates uh the bad health and the use of medicines and such mm -hmm. so if they you know cram them together in a crowded thing where they're walking around in their own feces and urine um they're not going to be healthy or good to eat even if you give them organic feed yes. <laughs> yes. No, so no, some, no, sometimes organic meat is just that except instead of giving gmo corn and soy feed they give organic corn and soy feed which is more expensive but they're still, you know, walking around in their own feces and uh, given vaccines and antibiotics and such. Okay. Right. Yes. Yes. So that's not what you want. What you want is animals that are raised um, basically to live their natural lifestyle, which means, you know, out in, in the pasture, if they're cows or ruminants, mm -hmm. grazing on grasses. Right. Right. Um, and then they don't get sick, so they don't need antibiotics and other medicines. Okay. Um, it's definitely better if they're not vaccinated and mm -hmm. even, you know, dewormed, mm -hmm. uh, possibly. Um, but if they're eating their natural food source, that's the most important thing to know that the meat is healthy. And the same thing with chickens or even eggs that you want eggs from the chickens that are allowed to roam around. And right. they Free use brain. a lot of, they use a lot of, um, nomenclature that's confusing okay. like for example when they say cage free okay like so 
that's misleading because think about you have like a, um, a chicken coop, right? That say there's a hundred chickens and maybe, you know, okay, they could all be in an individual cage or in cages of small groups, but they're so crowded in there that they only have like one square foot of space anyway. So if you just take the cages out and they're crowded with one square foot of space each, what's the difference really? Right. I hear right. You. It's really just one big cage and there is a group of them in there instead of smaller cages. Right. Um, but what you really want is that they're just allowed to roam around in the in the pasture and eat yeah. bugs and and weeds and stuff like that, which is their natural diet right. um, and also get the exercise and the fresh air. Right. Um, and then they'll be healthy. Yes. So, so you want animals raised that way and eat those, that meat. And, you know, if you really want to get pure, um, you can even eat wild game, you know, you can hunt yourself, mm -hmm. of course, or there are a few places like ranches online, like hunting gaming ranches, where they actually do sell some wild meat. Okay. Um, it's not cheap, but you could definitely get that. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, hunting yourself, I think that's a way to connect to the land. If you're going to eat meat, like you mm -hmm. can... Um, respect the life that's taken for that right. purpose and right, right. do it yourself instead of, you know, it being a, a hidden thing to you that you never right. consider. Right. And that could be a really, you know, transformative experience. And uh, don't forget to eat the organ meat though. <laughs> okay. Well, as you're talking about that, what I'll, what's coming to my mind is the work of Dr. Emoto. Are you familiar with the oh, Japanese? Yes. Yes, and it's uh, it's all about, it's all vibration, and like you said, how an animal is raised is that whatever energy and, and vibration that animal is feeling, you eating that animal will absorb that vibration. So it's it's um, and I love I don't know if you ever saw the movie um, Avatar. Um, it that it came out a while ago, but it, in one scene. Um, there was an animal that was killed and I forget how it was killed if it was hunting or but um, the the avatar girl went over and blessed it as it was dying you know releasing its spirit so it was a uh, you know so it wasn't dying in such fear and and um, and it, like you said like if you do your own hunting which I'm not gonna do I'm not gonna go hunting but uh, long as you're hunting for me and you know you're it's it's it you have reverence for the animal that's right that's you know? right yes yes you know yes. there's a famous um autistic woman and uh you may know her name but I, I can't think of it at the moment but she's you know been out there and talked and interviewed a lot about this and she's kind of famous because she has studied and been a professor in animal husbandry Mm -hmm. And she developed actually a device to, um, you know, sacrifice uh, cattle um, mm -hmm. because she recognized that the way that they were doing it industrially right. was scaring the cattle right before they were about to uh, be sacrificed. Right. And that stress response tainted the meat. Yes. And uh, that was the, you know, the business interest Mm -hmm. uh, but she was not, you know, she didn't come from that. It's like she felt empathy for animals and could relate better to animals than, than people, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? And um, so she 
you know, figured a way to, to improve this situation for the benefit of the animals. And she actually has pioneered, you know, several other ways of that, that ranchers have used to manage animals that have been cool that she's figured out much right. more effective ways right. uh, in terms of the outcome, but that are respectful um, right. to, to the animals. Right. It, it's, it's that whole connection of life, knowing that we are connected to the animals. We're connected to everything that, you know, and when we, you know, knowing that life, there is no ending. It goes on. So they come, they serve their purpose and go on. And then we, you know, if we, you know, revere them in that way, it's, it's not damaging. It's, it's healthy. It's the healthiest way to, to uh, engage. Right. The, well, there's no, the you know, there's no way to be a living creature uh, in this 3D realm right. and not have an impact on the things around you. Right. right, because you require to put things into your body to consume in order right. to, you know, keep you going. Right, and so that means you have to take from, mm -hmm. from the environment. And you know, I think people uh, often want to minimize this, and and it comes from great intentions. And I'm, right. you know, like I sincerely do care about animals, and yes. actually, I think I think about things that some people don't even consider might be harmful. Like what about taking animals as pets? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, now is that really always the right thing to do for the animal? Um, right. You know, if you're taking it away from its mother prematurely or if you're, uh, its life is gonna be in a, you know, six by 12 inch cage. Right. Uh, rather yeah. than, you know, in a territory of miles. Yes. Um, you know, so those kinds of things, but with respect to like being a vegetarian or a vegan, I think many people do it also because they say that they don't want to take animals life for the purpose of their nutrition, but what mm -hmm. they don't realize is they still are anyway. Yes. Because if there's a plant food that's grown in the ground and you eat it, well, then one thing is an animal's not able to eat it. Right. Well, here's <laughs> and, the thing. And oh. to farm, well, there's several more I just want to get through because to yeah. mm -hmm. take up the land for farming, well, first you have to destroy the habitat of animals of all species, right? You're basically changing a whole ecosystem. Right. And then in the, the farmland itself, you have all kinds of small mammals and insects that come and would, you know, uh, live in the soil or, or feed on the roots or whatever. And those are considered pests. So you put poisons on the crop that kills them. And then when you till the land or whatever, you're basically slicing up the rabbits and moles that are in there and destroying their habitat, right? So it actually has quite a big impact on animals, just eating plants. And, you know, you need to acknowledge that because it's a different kind of impact. So if you compare that to eating a wild animal who's lived a natural existence and then was sacrificed at a moment in time, I think you'd say that the, probably the quality of life was better than having its whole, you know, imagine if like your neighborhood was suddenly bulldozed, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, that, yeah. that would be, uh, you know, devastating how many people would be displaced and affected. Mm -hmm. Very true. Very true. So, so you, you know, it just takes a, a zoomed out bigger view to realize that you're going to have an impact um, there's going to be, you know, life, loss of life, right? One life for another, even if, if you take the fruit off a plant or harm, you know, take additional material or cut that plant down, 
well, you're taking the life of that plant as well. And that's, that's a life too. Yes. Um, well, see, you, you, about, you, you took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> Cause that's what I was going to say. I, I look at it from the, the biggest picture is it's all life. Plant life is equal to animal life. This is my view. And, and I love that I watch a medium um, not a medium, he's a, a channel, um, Daryl Anka, and he, he was asked that question about being a vegan, and he's like, well, I'm sure the plant is thinking, well, why don't you eat that animal over there? <laughs> and I come out and he's like, like, yeah, why are you eating me? Eat that animal over there. All life, it's all life. It's all life. It's the circle of life, and it, it just, and they, we actually, from a higher picture, it's all divine. It's all in divine order. Even the chaos that we're all living <laughs> through right now, it's all that it's all in divine perfect order. Humanity is awakening, like you said. People that are, I see it because I don't watch the news. So I see it online. Humanity is waking up all of the the peaceful protests all over the world, um, in Germany, the UK, all over. And I honestly see a bright, bright, bright future for humanity. So I'm extremely dreaming. We, we get, we have, we still have some rough water to get through, but we're going to get there. We're going to get yeah, there. I completely agree with you. Um, yeah. you know, I think for, especially for, you know, those of us who are more aware of what's going on, that um, there is an amazing opportunity for uh, a wonderful future. Yes. And, yes, yes. Uh, but, but, it, but I also agree that, um, you know, it may be a dark winter before the, um, you know, spring emerges anew. Yes. Yes. Well, I hear that. I don't like to use that terminology, dark winter, because I, like you said, I, I think that that terminology comes from the the side of us are okay i say our shadow side um because i do i'm very grounded in oneness that there is no separation and just like individually we all have a shadow side like i'm admitted i'm addicted to food okay so we all have a shadow side individually and collectively we have a shadow side i call that uh shadow side the elitist draconian deep state cabal. I give them the, I like their whole name, you know? Um, and that's our shadow side. I don't look at them as separate from us. And, and it's just that about, it's about shining the light on our shadow to transform the shadow. So, and I think that dark winter phrase came from them. So I'm gonna let them have it. So anyway. Well, no, I, I realize it's total predictive programming. And you yes. know, uh, I was alluding to it because they're, they're gonna, you know, in order to shine the light on it, they have yes. to remove all of the light, yes. right? And yes. Uh, yes. so the contrast is so stark that people notice it, yes. uh, perhaps. And so that's what I think, you know, we will, have to endure yes um and and it will you know require some you yes. know difficult times yeah mm -hmm. but but then the light will come yes remember it's darkest before the dawn right yeah and if dawn is right around the corner i mean sooner than we think i just again everything is in our knowing and i'm i believe we are so close that we can touch it. So.
So I'm I'm in I'm in a elated state because humanity is awakening. This cra crazy chaotic year has been the catalyst for humanity's awakening, and there are so many so much great things to come. So I thank you so much. And yes, I do. We definitely, now it's winter and I get five feet of snow here. So, uh, but <laughs> yeah, uh, springtime, <laughs> yeah, we got to get together in the springtime and do okay. this again in person. That's would be great. Yeah, that's thank you. Wonderful. And that will be past dark winter. Okay, we'll get, after we get through the dark winter, then we'll, we'll reconnect. That'll be great. <laughs> Perfect. Great, Caroline. Okay, thank you so much. And Al, please, Dr. Andy, please um, share with our listeners how they can find you and share all about your, I can't even, it's that you have this new newsletter and all that, share oh. all this good stuff. Yeah. Yes, yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, please look for me on YouTube under uh, my channel, Andrew Kaufman, and uh, go to my website at andrewkaufmanmd.com. That's Andrew, K-A-U, F as in Frank, M-A-N, M-D, like medical doctor.com. And um, I now have started selling uh, my own trace mineral supplement, uh, which is called Sheila G, um, that's harvested from the Rocky Mountains here in the United States. Um, so you can check that out. And I have uh, lots of uh, interviews and videos um, and uh, some blog articles and FAQs, all that usual stuff. And um, I'm available for consultations and I'm gonna be starting a new health webinar series uh, coming up. Um, and I'm also uh, making a documentary um, oh. about germ theory and terrain theory. And uh, we may be able to release the first part in the spring. So awesome. a lot of uh, exciting things going on and uh, things to look forward to. Yes. All good stuff. All good stuff. Thank you so much. I know you're very busy and I so appreciate your time and we will definitely stay in touch. Thank oh, you so much. You're welcome. You take care. You too. Hey, Bye -bye I hope now. you enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Andrew. It was really great. I so appreciate him and all that he's doing to help us understand the true, um, true aspect of health, um, which does not come from uh, Western medicine, not at all. Like I, I say all the time, I'm completely holistic. I have been for over 20 years. I have not been to a doctor in over, in over 22 years. I think 98 was the last time I went to a doctor. I, I don't do doctors. I just don't because, I mean, he's a medical doctor and he has discovered that the best way to health is through holistic and natural means. Um, I like to invite you guys to visit my website, awaketooonenessradio.org. If you're interested in a free mentoring se session with me, please just email me and I will set that up for you. Also on my website, you will find a page of free online events. Um, you click on that page and it's a, a list of free holistic events, uh, spiritual events and holistic events health-wise. So it's all about being healthy mentally, physically, and spiritually. We are, to be healthy, you have to address your mental health, your physical health, and your spiritual health. Also, um, 
this month, no Zoom meeting, no monthly Zoom meeting because um, the fourth Thursday happens to be Thanksgiving Day, which is my favorite holiday. Kyle is a Thanksgiving baby. He's, uh, his birthday is two days before Thanksgiving this year. His birthday is November 24th, but sometimes, some years, his birthday is right on Thanksgiving Day. So he's my Thanksgiving baby and Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. So no meeting this month because of the holiday. Um, also on my website, you will see a donation button. Uh, if my program, if Awake to Oneness Radio is inspiring and helpful, um, I do take donations. If you pledge $5, a dollar, whatever, a month to help support uh, Awake to Oneness Radio. It is greatly appreciated. Thank you so much. I will see you next week. Have a wonderful weekend. Love you all. Bye for now.